Welcome to FoxCast Physical Therapy, a podcast for clinicians made by clinicians. It's brought to you by Fox Rehabilitation. Find out more at foxrehab.org. Janet, welcome to the show. Thanks for talking with us. Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, what's your What's your backstory? Let the audience know a little bit about you and, and okay, what brings sure. you to ELC. Yeah, so I am an associate professor at Texas State University in Round Rock, Texas, where I've been since 2014. And prior to that, I was at APTA on APTA staff. So I went to APTA in 2005. I was the vice president of education, and then I was the deputy executive director, and then I was the vice president of governance and education. So I was at APTA for almost 10 years. Wow. Yeah. A lot yeah. of different hats. Yes, I, I wore several different hats um, for various reasons, I think. But um, I've been an educator since 1995. So that's why I'm here, because... ELC? ELC. Your feelings on this conference, where, where does this one live in your heart? Yeah, so it's my favorite. It's become my favorite, and I think for a couple reasons. Number one, it is about education, and that's really what I do, and it's the right size, you know, 1,000 people. I like your the, the mini snapshot of your career. You, mm-hmm. you, you went through 10 years pretty quickly there in like three <laughs> sentences, but I like it because it, it highlights all the different places you can go with a degree yeah. in physical therapy. Yeah. You can go and work for an association. You can go to yeah. academics. You can work at a clinic. You could work mm. anywhere. You mm. can you can do one for a little while and then switch, yeah. which I think a lot of people are starting to figure out. You don't. Yes. There's no one course. No, I have loved that about my career. I've been a PT um, for 38 years. Wow. I know. I've done so many different things, and I'm not done yet. Good. And so I have. I mean, there's a couple more things I want to do. So. Hopefully I'll get to do it. Well, I appreciate you stopping by and talking to us right now at ELC as we grab you in the hallway. Everybody else I'm talking to has had a presentation. Yeah. You don't have a presentation. I, I have three. You have three presentations. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the James Brown of ELC. They're the hardest working woman in show business. Um, so social justice is, uh, yeah. is, let's talk about that one first. Yeah. First of all, like, how would you define social justice? I feel like yeah. people hear that term and they're like, okay, I think I know what that means, but yeah. what does it mean to you? Yeah, so to me, it means making our profession attractive and safe and comfortable for everyone. And if you look around, I'm not sure we've done that. The purpose of the presentation today was to start to shine a light on what we are doing within our institutions that might not be welcoming to underrepresented groups. And the room was packed. I'm so excited about this because it was kind of a risk to do this presentation. We didn't know if anyone would come. And we wanted to sort of be provocative. And so we were, and they loved it. I think it's the beginning of a maybe a longer conversation that we're going to have. Uh, tomorrow night we get to go to an event as well, the yeah. uh, diversity yeah. dinner, yeah. the diversity gala. Diversity event, yeah. We're talking about this a lot, but tell me about your presentation. What did, what did people walk out of there feeling, knowing, and, and wanting to do next, right? Because that's what you want as a presenter. Yes. You want people to feel something yes. and then, hey, go do. Yes, yes. So, number one, the four presenters, there was me, a blonde white woman, okay. another blonde white woman, a big fat white guy. <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> Todd Davenport. Okay. <laughs> a big guy. And Kai Kennedy, who's okay. an African-American female. And I think it was that white people were talking about white fragility. That was one thing. I, I brought the book, White Fragility, if you know the, the I book. I okay. no, Tell me about it. So Robin D'Angelo is a social worker by background, and she wrote this book, White Fragility, that hit the best-selling list, I think, in 2018. And it's really about how 
white people don't know that they're contributing to the problem in our country of racism, underrepresented groups, and things like that. So she really shines a light on the fact that we've grown up privileged because we're white and we don't recognize it, so we don't address it. We right. don't know how to talk about it. And the harder you tell me that I'm doing something wrong, the harder I push back? Yes. Exactly. You don't go anywhere if you do that. Exactly. And she talks about how we become defensive when people, I mean, if someone suggested you were racist, of course you would be defensive. Defensive, no. And you would think to yourself, I'm a good person. I'm not a racist. It's not about good or bad. Racism exists in America for everyone because of our country. And it's, I, I said this today, it's on a continuum from I'm very racist or I have very racist tendencies over here to I'm not racist at all over here. And we're all somewhere. So we have to do the hard work to identify where are we and then do something about it. You know, you can't change what you don't know about. So today was about suggesting that we become more aware of our biases. We look at our programs to see what policies are biased. We look at our programs to ask ourselves, are we, maybe we're getting underrepresented groups in our programs and then we're not supporting them to be successful. The whole thing. Yeah. My goal for this session was to shine, start to shine a light on this and to see if we could have the conversation in a, in a civil way without somebody running out of the room crying, right. which did not happen. Good. Um, and it, it, was, it was, I'm pleased. What were some of the mic drops? What were the, some of the, the things that they, if you were mm. going to put on a bumper sticker? Yeah, so I think it was some of the stories. So my colleague, Jennifer Hale, she told a story of going into a bar recently in Austin where she hangs out with her friends a lot. And she was standing at the bar ordering a drink and this very tall, handsome black man walked up and she just instinctively turned to him and said, hey, brother, and immediately knew that she had done something wrong. And he, I don't remember if he said anything, but he got his drink and walked away and she got her drink and went to her group and just was so unsettled, couldn't really relax and enjoy. So she went over to the table where he was dining with his wife and said, hey, can I talk to you? Can we just step outside? So he said, sure. So they stepped outside and she said, I made a mistake. And he said, you did. And she said, tell me, tell me what I should have done in that situation. So they had a nice conversation, uh, sort of hugged it out a little bit and felt better. And so she went back to her friends and enjoyed the evening. And when he left the restaurant bar with his wife, he came into the group of her friends and there was like a big group. So he had to kind of make his way, gave her a big bear hug and said, you know, I hope you have a good life and thank you. And I yeah. see you. I see you yeah, getting teary-eyed. Uh, yeah. People, people in the audience were teary-eyed. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing. It's okay to make a mistake. She had to swallow a lot to do she that. She did. To, to, well, to do several yes. things. Number one, yes. mention it to her. Fr- well, even to say it out loud. Yes. Then to walk over because yes. he could have went off on her. It was yes. deserved. Oh, of course. One of my slides talked about. Um, it's not about right or wrong or your ego or my ego. It's about being comfortable, feeling uncomfortable and saying you're sorry and trying to get better. Yeah, the three stages of an apology, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Admitting what you did, yeah. saying yeah. I understand how this yeah. made you feel, it won't happen again. Yes, and help me. And help, right, How yeah. do I, what should I have said and what can I do and... That's a good focus, I think, though. It's not about right or wrong. No. Or it's, I remember my dad asked me this once. I was arguing about something with someone at work and he said, do you want to get it right or be right? I'm like, they're the same thing. He's like, are they? And I remember being like, yes. And then having to be like, oh, they're not the same thing. Why I want to get it. I don't know. I want to get it right. <laughs> I also want to be right because I have an ego, but yes. I want to get it right long term, short term. Yes. I want to be right. Everybody yes. wants to be right. Yes. So we anchored our, our presentation on the whole vision and mission of, of the association and the profession. And if we really want to serve society, we have to address this issue. 
because we don't look like society, which means our ability to serve society is limited. And we don't have to be that way. There are people out there who want to join us. And if we're not welcoming, if we can't support them, then... How can we expect that? Bad on us. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So no one ran out crying. No. It was provocative, but yeah. people enjoyed it. Oh, I, lo- yeah. I love the communicator me loves that you told stories. Because yes. that's going to... Like that story right now, <laughs> yes. me, everybody listening is going to remember that and say, yeah. Sh- I, can't, I can't do that. It was subtle. Yeah. Yeah. It was wrong. What about your other presenters? Anything that uh, that they did that you left an impression on you? Todd is just brilliant. He's a population health, public health guy, and he, you know, everything he says, I hang on to all the words. And then Kai Kennedy, do you know Kai? I know a little bit, yeah. Yeah, from UC, UC San Francisco. She is just a wealth of, of knowledge and experience. She's in an institution that's really done the hard work of looking at what they can change institutionally to support uh, more minority minority students, I guess, and faculty. And so she told her story and, and uh, yeah, they're, they're all engaged in this work. Yeah. Well, having so a conversation cool. is, is a good beginning. Yeah, all right. it is. So yeah. that's presentation one yeah, of one. Yeah, 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 Let's yeah. move on to the next one. What else are you doing here? Okay. So one is related to work I do as a committee chair of a committee for ACAPT. Okay. And ACAPT is? The... Go, you do it because I'm going to do it wrong. American Council of Academic Physical Therapy. Got it. Okay. Yeah, a so, lot of acronyms in PC. Yeah. So it's the group that represents the academic programs, the Got physical it. therapist academic programs. And so my chair, Barb Sanders, is the president of ACAP. So I'm on a committee. I'm the chair of a committee called the Leadership Development Oversight Committee. And our task is to make leadership training more available to all the stakeholders of the academy. So people who are in administration, faculty, students, clinical instructors, the whole, the whole kaboot. So we've been working since 20, January of 2016, and we have created a framework for leadership. So it's 12 categories, three levels each of the things that we think you should know or, or focus on in leadership okay. around the academy, around higher ed. And so we're unveiling that tomorrow. All right. It's called the Leadership Compass. And it's just a way to organize, sort of, like if someone said to you, go get some leadership training. I was like, read a book, listen to a podcast. Where do you start, though? But what even what is that? No idea, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this compass is designed to sort of give people some tangible words and sort of an approach to start here. Can you do that? Can you do that? Can you do that? Can you do that? And if you can't, learn it. Are are these leadership uh, concepts that you can apply anywhere? Are these focused on? Okay. It's a great question. Almost all of it you can apply everywhere. We have one of the 12 categories is the academy. So what do you, if you were going to be a leader in the academy, what do you need to know? So the weird stuff about our budgeting process and tenure and, you know, all that weird stuff that doesn't apply to anywhere else in the world. Um, So there's a little bit of it that's specific to education, but most of it is generic. Yeah. Give me an example of some of those. Some of those yeah. So some of those categories are self-development. So how do you, how do you be a good self-assessor? How do you develop emotional intelligence? How do you, another category is communication, managing change, strategic planning and sustainability. Technology is a category. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah. 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 Technology is a category. Uh, how do you use technology to accomplish your goals? How do you communicate with technology? All that stuff. And all the management competencies are in there. So management itself. Yeah. Yeah. Where can people find out more information about this? You're unveiling it tomorrow. Yes, we are. By the time are. people hear this, it'll be out. It will be on the ACAPT website, which is ACAPT.org. Okay. If you just Google on their website, Leadership Compass, it's going to be an interactive Click on one of the areas and another screen will pop up with those learning outcomes and a list of resources that you can use to develop right. that. Good. So yeah. something that you, something tangible. It's tangible. It's also theoretical. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. So 
Super underachiever. That's two presentations yeah. <laughs> here at a two-day conference so far. Uh, what's number three? Okay, well, I have to say, so I have been submitting proposals to present at ELC for five years, and I have never gotten one. And this year, I got the mother load. So it's just the way things work yeah. out. You know? So it's pretty competitive. Anyway, so the third one is about coaching, and specifically related to coaching our students. I'm a National Board Certified Health Coach. And that's what I do for my practice. So I help people change behaviors like physical activity, eating, sleep, smoking. Which is a big, it's a big deal. modifying behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a behavioral scientist. That's what I like to say about my background. So one of my colleagues, Beth Black from Oakland University of Michigan, she called me last spring and said, I want you to do a coaching thing for clinical instructors. We have our Michigan Clinical Instructor Workshop in July. We should come and do this thing. So we worked together to create this presentation, which I delivered. And it was really well received. Beth and then another colleague of ours, Mary Sue Ingman from St. Kate's in St. Paul, Minnesota. She's also a certified health coach. She and Beth and I are doing the program tomorrow. So the idea is that you can advise students. Like if, if you were a student and you came to me, I could give you some advice. You can also mentor students. We're talking about coaching. Okay, so hold on. Which is different from so advice and adv- mentoring. I'm trying to like like picture okay. like, what, like the okay. Level so of advice is like a one time a one time right. shot. So right. you come to me and you say I have this problem. What would you do in my situation? And you say, go read a book on go leadership. Go do this. Yeah, go do this. Mentoring is when we have a longer term relationship. Relationship. Okay. And I'm helping you sort of meet a bigger life goal, like to become a physical therapist. Coaching is when you are in my clinic and I am your supervisor and you're not performing. It's how to have those difficult conversations so that you don't feel bad and you don't not get your goals met and I don't fail in helping you become the best physical therapist that you can become. Okay. So it's a different way of having a conversation, yes. right? So things like if we were meeting for our midterm evaluation, you, you, you did your clinical rotations Correct. and you met with your CI. Yep. Yeah. So did you do a self-assessment first? Yeah. Okay. CPI. Yeah. Super yeah. PTCPI. Okay. Fun. So I would do my assessment and I would give it to you and let you look at it before we meet. Right. So the first thing I would say to you in that, if I was coaching you, I would be, I would say, Jimmy, what did you take from my right. feedback? And I want you to compare it to what you said about yourself. Right. Did you notice any gaps? And you're going to tell me about that. Got it. I'm going to say, have you ever gotten any, any feedback like this before in your life? You might say yes or no. Okay, so if you got it before, what did you do? What have you been doing to work on it, right? So how can I help you work on it? If you're already aware of it, how can I help you work on it? It's a different way to have a conversation that is both motivating and frees up your brain not to be stressed out because I'm telling you you're not meeting the mark. Because when you get stressed out, when anybody gets stressed out, or feels bad, their brain cannot work. Right. You cannot be creative. You cannot be innovative. So my job is to keep your brain open to what you can do to be better because that will motivate you and not tell you what to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, so mentorship and coaching, is it a difference between um, strategic and tactical? Like is coaching very more tactical and mentorship is, is kind of strategic big I picture? I think that's right. Okay. I think that's right. And within a mentoring relationship, you can certainly coach. But we're trying to, we're trying to say, so this is the typical thing that a PT would do. A, a PT faculty would do. So you're my student. I'm your teacher. You come up to me and you say, Dr. Bester, I got 100 on my test. I am so excited. I go, yay, that is so fantastic. Way to go, Jimmy. All right. What I should say is, so it sounds like you really prepared well for that exam. It's very different. I'm not going to be a cheerleader 
because then you become dependent on that to judge okay. how well you're doing. But if I said to you, that's great, Jimmy. What did you do to make that happen? What did you do to make that happen? You're, you're walking me to the steps to say, what are yes. we going to do in the future if you'd like that feeling again or that success and again? And you believe what you say much more than you believe what I say. So you got me to say it. Though. I did. Yeah, you walked me into That's that. That's coaching. Okay. So it sounds like coaching, motivational, interviewing, yes. m- mentoring, so, kind of this mm-hmm. kind of spectrum. Yes. Okay. And so we're introducing this coaching word to PT. We've always had the mentoring word. We've always had the, I'm your clinical instructor. I'm your supervisor. We've always had the advisor kind of person, but we've never really had the coach. So this is this program is meant for clinical instructors to use this coaching for students who they're... That's what it's designed for. Gotcha. I hope that um, directors of clinical ed come to so that they can sort of bring this to their CIs. And I hope that also the people who manage all of the clinical education at the site come to. I forget their name. They changed it again. Yes, they did. DCE, CCCE. DCE is. School to. Yeah, CCCE is the other end. But they changed it. Yes. Yeah. Google it. I don't know what to tell you. We keep we have lots of acronyms and so yeah. So we're gonna go through a bunch of role playing tomorrow. We're gonna introduce a concept. There's a model from medicine called the R R two C two model, and it's got four steps. And so we're gonna actually role play that for a scenario in that a, that a typical clinical instructor might encounter with a student. I, I can't get enough of skits. You can never have too many skits. <laughs> we had a couple presentations today with uh, with role playing videos. Yeah. Um, but it does. It enters in something like I either either I've never experienced this before when you do that in a presentation, um, and this is new and novel, which the yes. brain reacts well to. Yes. Or I've seen this before and this resonates with me. Mm. I've I've had this experience before mm-hmm. and I'm now paying attention. Yeah. Because this is familiar, so I like that. Yeah. 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 And we want people to leave on Sunday and go home with on Monday with something they can actually. Use. Do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a an interactive work. Site. Where can someone find out more information about that? Um, you can look in the medical literature. It's the R two C two model. It's new in there, so there's not a lot of literature, but that's one reference. Cool. Yeah. Cutting edge here at Yale. Yeah. Yeah. We are. Uh, asking everybody, <laughs> asking everybody mm. to look into the future. Okay. Where do you hope that mm. clinical mm. education goes in the next couple mm. years? What, what's one area you you hope for to see improvement, and how do you think? How do you think it could shake mm. out? The place that we have the most opportunity in is this partnership notion that academic institutions look, need to look at their clinical sites as partners. Yeah. And there needs to be more involvement of the faculty in preparing the clinical instructors to know at what point their students are and what the specific goals are for the rotation and then there needs to be more involvement of those CIs in the program so seeing the students in the classroom and uh, I mean that came out of the the clinical ed summit years ago and there's been work around it but I think we haven't made as much progress as we can and need to because it just takes a long time that particularly takes time that one area so I think we've done a lot of good work in the last few years around other issues in Clinton, and that's the one that I think we really need to put full court press on. Uh, Janet, appreciate yes. your time. Thank since you, if you, you don't have two free minutes to rub together here at ELC <laughs> this year with three presentations, but uh, but yeah, insightful, and I like how broad it is. And again, it yeah, highlights how broad things. the profession can be. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Bye. Jimmy. Thanks for listening to FoxCast PT. It's brought to you by Fox Rehabilitation. Fox clinicians work hard, love their work, and get the respect they deserve. Sound good? Then you'll love the autonomy to work in your own style and the support you get to achieve excellence. Plus, 
freedom and flexibility to have a personal life. Whether it's your first day or you've been around for a while, your contribution is acknowledged and rewarded. That's what makes Fox a success. Happy, well-trained clinicians make great healthcare. Are you a fit for Fox? Find out now at foxrehab.org.